0: This podcast is sponsored by Vicon, the Academy Award-winning developer of motion capture products and services for the life science, entertainment and engineering industries. Shogun, Vicon's visual effects software, developed specifically for the needs of the VFX community, captures performances effortlessly, in real time, and delivers robust, accurate, reliable data. The latest release of Shogun now includes full range of motion, high-fidelity finger capture, along with other massive quality-of-life improvements – so you can capture reality faster. Find out more at www.vicon.com.
1: Oh, hello, Internet. This is Troy Baker, and I'm here with your lovely, very, very British host, Victoria Atkin. And this is the Performance Capture Podcast.
0: The fact that I get to bridge this weird world between performer and, but like, fangirl first, let's be real, is so dope. I kind of created my position. Like, nobody said, oh, you know, here, you go to school to become a performance capture producer. I pretty much created my own career. If there's something that, that you're curious about or if you have any questions, like, go out and find the answers for yourself. What I think I love the best about it is just its family environment. You know, the dots can tell if you're lying. Hi, you're listening to the Performance Capture Podcast Season 2. My name is Victoria Atkin, and this is sponsored by Vicon. Today, we have another incredible, handsome dude on this show.
1: Hey, everybody, it's me, the dude.
0: (laughs) What's your name, and where did you grow up?
1: I'm Brian Deckard, and I grew up in the general Midwest, specifically outside Detroit, Michigan.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. What about you? Uh, Grew up in Hampshire, in England. Ah. Yes, that's my thing. And uh, we always ask everybody on this show what your professional title is.
1: I'm going to go with actor and streamer
0: for now. Okay, great. I like that. Game maker, thinker. I love that. And we always, always, always ask everybody how you would best describe what performance capture is.
1: I think that performance capture is easily the coolest thing possible. It's like theater multiplied by tons of technology and incredibly freeing. So performance capture is a way to use your body and your voice to portray a character and a scene, in a story like you would in theater. But in this case, we're using animation and a lot of data points.
0: Love that. That's a great answer. It's always different every time because I think we're still trying to define exactly what this is. And I'm not quite sure it's made into the Oxford Dictionary just yet. Um, When we talk about performance capture, And we have guests like yourself, who's extremely very established now after being in Detroit Become Human as Connor. And that was that your first gig?
1: That was my first performance capture gig. I had done some voiceover stuff like commercial and uh, some voices in a game, but never connected to the full
0: performance. How did you discover performance capture and how did you get into it your first gig? I mean, we've just talked that that is your first gig. How did that come to you?
1: Well... I, as I'm sure you have experienced, there's lots of different ways you can be an actor. So Mm -hmm. I was trying to get real specific about what did I want to do, what actors did I want to be like, uh, the kind of work that was exciting, and I eventually, you know vision-boarded myself down to performance capture. I like Andy Serkis a lot. I've seen so many behind-the-scenes things of tons of different games and uh, sci-fi and genre movies, and the idea of working in performance capture and being freed from what you are physically and in the real world is really exciting for an actor. So I started getting real specific about wanting to do performance capture and try to figure out where are these things cast, and how are these projects coming? And it was on a day that I wrote in a journal about wanting to do this that a friend sent me the trailer on Facebook of uh, Beyond Two Souls, which is Quantic Dream's previous game before Detroit came out. And I looked at the the visuals and the fact that this was Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe looking like a film, and I'd never seen any kind of video game graphics look like this, and it was super narrative, and uh, so just kind of kept my eye out for opportunities like this. So um, I had an audition for this project with Susan Goddard-Smythe, who's the casting director from Beyond, and was doing Detroit. And I auditioned very many times and then did not hear anything. And you usually imagine, like, uh, you should... I don't know, like after you do an audition, let it go, be done with it and just kind of this one kept, I kept thinking about it. It was based outside the city that I grew up in. It was, uh, something that was science fiction. It was in performance capture and it was something I was really hoping would happen. And then like two years later, two a, years yeah, after I, oh after I had auditioned God. and done the callback, And then, uh, two years later I got a phone call while I was gardening, kind of being like, well, if I never work again, whatever, gardening is enough. And then I got a phone call and said, like, are you available to go to Paris? I was like, I'm available to go anywhere, <laughs> you know? What? And then uh, I auditioned three more times because they're very particular. Yeah. That's sad. But more like a film and TV audition.
0: Yes, as opposed to yes. That, that, that's what we've discovered with that. Um, sorry, this is just crazy to me that this took two years for this. T- I mean, my audition for Assassin's Creed was a long process, but it, I knew in six months that I was going to go to Toronto and shoot this. But two years and you heard nothing
1: I mean, the whole game was over five years of development. Oh, So really? I think that I was uh, auditioning very, very early. There was a ton of things. I mean, the script was under a code name, of course. There's mm-hmm. a, a bunch of things about the story that, like, there was originally another playable character in the first version of the game. All of the protagonists had different, like, you know, the cyber life was called Lime. It okay. was like a nod to Apple. Or like the nod, anyway. But <laughs> uh, so, so many things have changed, and, and the game was being developed.
0: Wow. That's really cool. And did you do a self-tape? How was the audition process, or was it always in the room?
1: No, it was in the room, just like you would. Suzanne is a, a remarkable casting director, super with film, you. Right? She does film and a lot of TV. She's doing a lot of kid shows, um, Disney stuff. She did the School of Rock stuff. Um, in any case, she does mostly uh, on camera. Mm-hmm. And so this audition was just in her office with the little camcorder, and she's a great she was, like, such an actor's director, coach, kind of, in, in the casting. And then, um, yeah, I came back, like, almost, I think it was, like, two years later after the after the original callback and auditioned some more and eventually went to Paris. Filmed on my birthday for the first oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. And tell me a bit more. I, I love vision Board a lot, too, and, uh, as I mean, this is kind of off-topic from performance capture, but I think uh it's a trait of very successful people i've known and and been around you specifically vision boarded being in performance capture because i know a lot of us stumbled across performance capture as we were doing theater or tv or film but you actually honed in and said this is what i want to do
1: yeah i mean i use vision board as kind of like a broad concept i'm not so much for like a collage, but more of just series of journaling and journaling and journaling and really trying to get down to like the baseline of stuff. What is the essential thing? So for me, the essential thing was to still, I love voice and speech. I love accents and dialects. I love uh, movement and physicality. And the fact that all of those things are necessary to do performance capture makes it a lot more exciting to me because I had done a lot of stuff on film and TV where, you know, you're in a headshot of a frame, you're... Nobody ever notices what's going on with the bottom half of your body because it's a close-up and as long as you're making, you know, eye contact and mumbling through your scene, it just is... You know, when you're playing an android or when you're playing a, a mystical being, there's, like, so many more choices you can make physically and uh, the fact that everything is recorded at the same time in performance capture instead of, okay, in this shot we can see all these choices you're making in the wide and then now we're punched in on the close-up and, like... It doesn't matter if you discover some really cool physical choice because they're just not on that lens. And so the fact that in performance capture, you're doing everything all the time in 360, like theater in the round, that is super cool.
0: Yeah, it's the best playground ever for me. When I first stepped on that stage, I, 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 first of all, I was like, "Oh my goodness, how do I, how do I even do this?" I'm in this suit, but I quite quickly realized that everything that I love doing all came together at once it was just incredible i i I grew up with a lot of sports i trained at drama school doing theater i did television and film and then a a bit like you i I was becoming how can how can something fully satisfy me in this thing and and that medium just hit the nail on the head it was like wow okay now i'm in my playground and whatever i want to visualize i can and it doesn't matter what the other people are visualizing. Like my Victorian London is what I see. Yeah, you know, yeah, and it yeah. was. It just made me feel so freeing. Um, it's almost make believe as as a child back to that kind yeah. of state. It's really really fun.
1: Well, and you can you let your imagination really go because, like you say, there's no confines. You're in this totally open. Interpretive space,
0: and some actors that I've talked to have found it re- very difficult because you have nothing to rely on per se, because you don't have props or costume or you know. But for me, it was it was allowed my imagination. Thing. Yeah, allowed yeah. my oh, what am I wearing? What is what do I look like? Who is my? Who are these people? You know, and there's, there was no. It was it was so freeing. I I found and I do find. So we began to talk about what my favorite thing is about motion capture. But what's your favorite thing about motion capture, performance capture, you you touched on it.
1: Yeah, I think it's that it's this sweet spot between what happens in theater and what happens in film and TV in that in theater you get to do the full scene or much of the scene all in a go and it's being taken in from all around, theoretically. Uh, There's not the same sort of predetermined nature of how it's going to be recorded. That's something I enjoy about theater, but I'm also really a big fan of in in film and TV. You kind of get to go work in the workshop on it and the project is made and then later it's shared with people I'm, i like i'm much more of a tinkerer than somebody who's like all right here come well I don't did know. did you
0: have a rehearsal process for detroit
1: <laughs> no you didn't <laughs> no. because
0: we did no. actually we had did three, you? we had three weeks um oh my gosh. paul amos and i who played oh. my twin brother we had time with the team we had assassin's creed coats made for us so we could Sweet. walk and feel the weight of that we both had boots that we wore that got marked up so, cool. no, there was no rehearsal for you it, guys. it was
1: m- more than rehearsal. It was really more of like a, a meeting with the director and the other character in the scene. So, like, okay. when Clancy Brown came in to record all of his stuff, it was all back-to-back in these two weeks. So we sat down, we went through the concept art, we went through the script, we discussed major cases because it's a branching narrative. So and sometimes this might happen and sometimes this might happen. And so I was able to share notes with Clancy of things that we'd already recorded so that he would have more of the... You know, the context. Yeah. Of, so there was
0: some sitting down. There was kind of a table. I mean... Yeah.
1: But not not so much like rehearsal and like up on your feet and let's give it a a go. More of a table read yeah, type more thing. more of a table read type
0: And um, can you tell me about a specific experience that you enjoyed on the performance capture stage? You said you've, you've done other projects since Detroit now, performance capture, or has it mainly been voiceover?
1: Well, um, sometimes just like the head cam. So it'll be facial capture okay. with, uh, which is very... Uh, Something I really enjoy about the way Quantic does it is that it's all markers, dots, and so you're not wearing a head cam rig. You're very free to move, um, which gives you a lot of uh, physical permission to make choices and stuff. As far as one specific moment, I mean, everything I filmed with Clancy was tons of fun because there's this buddy cop thing going on between Connor and Hank. And we got to make a lot of, like, big Commedia dell'arte kind of choices. like these. We just got into these discussions about the characters more as archetypes, and I think it's part of why the game has been so successful um, internationally. Cause a lot of the things we're doing are really based in physicality. It's almost like a little vaudeville or a little slapstick because it's the super high f- high-tech sci-fi world but the way these characters interact with each other is very, like, Punch and Judy. And also working with Amelia. I mean, working with my wife, she, she plays the Tracys. And that was a lot of fun because I went to Paris to finish up shooting and knew that afterwards I was going to propose to Amelia. We had a trip planned, and I was going to propose, and I had some of the guys at Quantic Dream, you know, helping me find a train ticket and figuring out, you know, where to go and all this thing. And uh, then it ended up came to pass that we went to go film the scenes with the Tracys and scheduling wise and so on, they just didn't have the Tracy ready to go. So it was going to be a matter of like, am I going to go back to LA and then come back again just to film this one scene? And so David Cage was like, oh, we don't have a Tracy. And I was like, Amelia's been running the lines with me for like oh, wow. three months and is basically off book. And he's like, let's audition her. So Amelia came in and auditioned for— And she's
0: a great actress Anyways, like, She's so good. She's and she
1: was just totally dropped in. And these scenes are really intense and high, you know, emotional weight. And, uh, yeah, and she just crushed it. And so it was really cool to, like, we met on set. and But then it was like this, like, I was going to surprise her with us getting engaged or proposing. And she totally surprised me by, you know, jumping in the game with me. <laughs> Is super cool.
0: I love that. Oh, that's so great. We on this on this show, we talk about advice as well. What we would give other people that want to get into a similar field of performance capture. So, if there's an actor out there that's thinking, "Oh man, I, I just want to get into this," what advice would you give? Because for me, we've had different opinions on this. There doesn't seem to be a linear way of doing this. And I always give the advice to really cover your bases and have a voiceover agent and an on-camera agent. But what would you say?
1: I definitely think that you're right that some projects are coming by way of traditional casting offices or film and TV, and then other things are coming by way of voiceover. And so where to find performance capture in that mix, I think, is still kind of an unknown. Um, But I do think that the biggest consideration I would say for performance capture is that At its best, when I was really rolling with it, it felt just like the best theater stuff that I'd ever done. And the technology part of it just kind of goes away because you're so free, you're in the moment, you have a scene partner, you're really working together. Like, all of the things that are true about your, you know, garden variety acting are there. But the unusual thing is the technical process of usually how it's recorded and how it's ingested and how the player is going to interact with it afterwards. So that was the thing I studied the most when it came to after I booked the project to working on it, because the acting you either you either know it or you don't, or you you know you're going to bring your same acting instrument to a voiceover booth or to on set as to performance capture. But with the structure. And if it's a branching narrative, you're dealing with a different kind of script than if you have a character who's going on a main quest and there might be going on side quests. So you have to know that the audience is going to be taking in the scenes of the story in a very different way than in a beginning, middle, and end of a TV show. And so... In that way I structured like the prep work was different because I had to determine for this in the case of Connor he can either be eventually most human or eventually most machine and so to map that out ahead of time was tricky because it was based off all of these smaller choices. And so I used Which you can't control
0: right that that's what they pick so right. this is a multi narrative story. Right. So, yeah. This is my
1: favorite thing to talk about.
0: How do you (laughs) prep that? I mean, for me, it was very linear. There was different tangents that Evie goes off on. But it was at the, I mean, she ends up killing Jack the Ripper in the DLC or she ends up... Good riddance. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) we all write that down in our history lessons now that Evie Fry killed Jack the Ripper. Um, No, but, you know, it, it was very linear for me. But that's not the case. And it seems to be more and more popular that that's... You know, these different choices of narrative are becoming available in TV as well, I think, now. Well,
1: it's super efficient. So, like, when you're on a performance capture set, I don't know if you've had the same... My experience was they were able to record a ton of material in a day that we would have normally spent, like, a week doing on oh, yeah. a film on TV set because there's no reset the lights, there's no change the makeup, it's all just shoot, 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 When it comes to the bending narrative thing, so I... To answer your question for the actor who wants to get into this, because I think it's going to be... There's going to be a lot more of it. This is the becoming, future, this and is this is to, why this I is wanted to set
0: this Put pod- Yeah, this is the present and the future. <laughs> you know? This is why I wanted to do this podcast, because I honestly think, you know, this this is where everything is going. It really, it really is, and it's so exciting. Yeah. The tech
1: is going to get more and more accessible, which means that people are going to be able to do it faster and faster and faster, which means that the prep time is going to be more and more and more important. I think that... If you book, you know, a couple days on Grey's Anatomy and you have a handful of lines and, like, you mutter them through in your trailer and then you go out and you do it, things are broken up enough that, like, you have a chance to, oh, what are we doing in this shot? Oh, this shot I walk over, pick up the keys and say, thanks, Dad. You know, and that's that. With performance capture, you're going to be doing, like, so many more pages in a day that you have to have it really clearly identified. Maybe, I mean... I tried as best I could to be as off book as possible, so we could just go, go, go. So I got the scripts maybe a month or two in advance, and I was looking through them to determine these different branching, bending points. And one point is a bit of a tangent, but I promise it makes sense. I was reading through a part of the script where Connor goes to save Hank, uh, save Hank, who's Clancy Brown's character, and I thought about if an android's going to jump in front of somebody who's being shot at, what does that look like physically? Okay, Da Vinci, this virtuvious man, this, uh, this positioned, you know, we imagine this drawing of the man inside a circle inside of a square making this big, like a T-pose, almost shape. So as I was watching about that, I had no idea that the stunt team was already going to record that separately. I was going to have nothing to do with recording that scene. But it got me down the rabbit hole of this Da Vinci uh, documentary that was talking about the Mona Lisa. And the reason why people are so excited by the Mona Lisa and why it had kind of breaks its way out of being just a painting is that there's so many layers of the Mona Lisa painted on top of each other. And so as da Vinci painted, he basically was revising and revising and revising in oil paint. And the way oil paint works is that the light goes through the paint and bounces off the layers behind. And then you see that. So she has this like reflective glow. It seems like she really has skin. It seems like she's almost like blushing. Like she seems alive in this painting. So I was thinking about this Layers of color in oil paint. And remember old school, like, uh, projectors where you'd put a transparency down or, like, layers in Photoshop? That's school. You're the same age as me. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Okay, so just school. Remember in school... Know, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't uh, think they
0: have those now. <laughs> I think, I no, think they, they all don't have, have iPads. those. They don't,
1: exactly. So you'd have to use layers in Photoshop. as the idea. Yeah. But if the player's in control of what different scene is going to happen next, I tried to identify the different scenes or the beats or the phrases that we would record for all these different cases as different colors. So if Connor, because of his character design, starts off as blue... Anytime he deviates or he does something that would be against his programming, I marked it in the script with the highlighter, which okay. is, of course, yellow. So this yellow highlighter and this blue original Connor sort of created this green scene. So as you get further and further down the script, I use different hues of colors to mark out the script so that he would either be getting more and more green or further and further and making no deviant choices, more and more red. So you get a darker and darker red which I later tied to chakras. So you have like, Ooh, a, like you, you have a heart Look chakra, right? You
0: get your green, empathetic,
1: human, kind of chaotic heart this chakra. This is really,
0: this really is something different for actors, though, to to prepare in this way. I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any training that it's it just a weird idea right now, you know. But this is great, you <laughs> yeah. know. Um I'm definitely going to be using it if I get a multi. Colors are great.
1: Colors are so good. And if you yeah. can assign it physically with a with a point in your body, especially for the things where you got to be like, okay, I'm going to do one choice that's this way, all the way to the left, uh-huh. or all the way to the green.
0: And you and knew they the they the told red. you. The end of the paths.
1: No, 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 no. I thought I was under the impression that it was going to be more of a spectrum, right? Okay. So you'd have a left. I, I knew that the character, the story would bend. It's uh-huh. the whole point of a branching narrative thing. So I, so I imagine more of like a spectrum, right? Like a, a a one most Connor and a seven most Connor. Okay. But that doesn't deal with any of the relationships with any of the other characters or with the environment. You know, that's like one
0: variable. So you were you were on your toes a bit during sure. this. You know. You know, you were having to figure it out as you go along. Too. Oh yeah, well
1: we got like we we did we recorded for like a week, and then months would pass, and I'd get another little bit of script, and then I'd go record for a week. So this the wow. the character was like kind of compiled over two and a half years. I was not like on set, you know, really busting it out for two and a half years.
0: So finally, how can we find you? Because you're Twitch streaming and you're. Doing all these wonderful things with your beautiful wife, Amelia, who we had on season one. And if anybody hasn't checked that out, she's episode eight of season one, I believe. Um, She was great and she talked a little bit about this. So we were very, very excited to have you on season two. Yeah. So remind us how we can find you.
1: So Amelia and I are streaming together on Twitch. We call it Deckard Games now, uh, which is our... We're married and we game, and uh, we also, you know, we're on Twitter and Instagram too much, and um, some YouTube, we upload everything up on YouTube. So, if you can't join us live, you can watch the archive stuff. We play through games, and we have a lot of guests where we um talk about you know similar kind of things. We'd like maybe we could play some Assassin's Creed, we would like that. Out? And
0: you know what, we need to play um, Crash Bandicoot. Oh,
1: that's all I was doing today,
0: yeah. We it's need to, I haven't <laughs> played it yet. What? I know, I need to, Crash play. Team Racing, right? Yeah, yeah, my character Liz. The little British bandicoot. We have very to unlock her, yeah. That. yeah. Oh, you have she, to unlock her. She's she, she not available.
1: More, she's top tier. Oh, of course she Class act, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Only the best. Um, we have some uh, gifts for you from our sponsor, Vicon. His, Vicon? Uh, yeah, Vicon, have given you these shades. Sweet. Sunglasses for you. you yeah, have,
1: you can hear how good they are.
0: Yeah, it's not a packet of potato chips, I promise. <laughs> or crisps, as we They're like fresh. to say. is It's a brochure of their stuff from 2019 and a notepad so you can visualize your next role for us all to enjoy you know
1: i've been eyeing amelia's notepad like this and i wanted one for myself oh there you go thank you there you go (laughs) thank you to vicon for making this whole thing happen
0: yes thank you and um perhaps you can help us choose a competition winner for some more vicon stuff when the season airs that would be great
1: totally We'll okay. Be happy to.
0: Well, thank you so much, Brian, for coming on the show today. We really have enjoyed hearing your performance capture story. And please follow us on Performance Capture Podcast, everybody, on Instagram, and I think it's the PCap Pod on Twitter. Anyway, do it's right. Check it out. Retweet it. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. This recording was done by Formosa Interactive, a full service post production sound company. Among its many divisions, Formosa Group as a whole offers independent and AAA content creators end-to-end services, including voiceover, sound supervision, sound design, editorial, mixing and music for gaming, film, broadcast, and other platforms. Visit www.formosagroup.com for more information. Thank you to Soundbox LA for editing this episode.